You're about to listen to youth produce content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin City social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. You're listening to Youth Soup, the podcast that adds some youth to your soup. That was so good. What's up, everybody? This is Brooklyn from Listen Up Youth Radio, and you're listening to Youth Soup. All my life, I looked up to teachers and admired how hard they work every single day. But the reality of this is, they do not get paid enough for what they do. Today, I'll be talking to Christopher Polly and Chloe Bluths. Throw all the highs and lows of life, they come to school every single day with a smile on their face and ready to change lives. So can you introduce yourself? My name is Chris Polly. I am an English teacher at Columbia Heights High School. And I also advise the journalism program there, which includes the Heights Herald, the student newspaper, and co-advise Highlander News Network, the broadcast program. So most teachers um, do have families and they put in a lot of extra hours in school. So, you know, how do you like manage to balance your home life and your work life? Yeah, it is definitely tough. It is not a standard nine to five job. And of course, those that might not know too many people actually in education might say, well, but you get the summers off. But uh, that's pretty much my only time to really be with my family as much as I'd like to be. Uh, I do end up kind of becoming full-time dad during the summers and being the camp chauffeur and coming up with fun activities to do while school's out. Um, And then during the school year, my wife does uh, kind of step up and I'm often staying late working on the newspaper with students as well as getting in early to make sure I'm all ready for the day. And it can be a grind. Um, Try to uh, take advantage of as many breaks as possible because uh, it it is a very difficult balance. But um, if you've got a supportive partner, uh, it's definitely doable, and uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, you were teaching through um, the pandemic. Was do you think it was like easier to manage your home life and your work life then? Or <laughs> harder? Uh, definitely harder. You know, I think a lot of teachers would say that the most um, the thing that like COVID amplified the most when teaching via distance learning was, you know, how non-interactive school had to be. Uh, It was understandably really awkward for students to have to, like, turn on a camera and speak on a mic. And especially because, you know, the way we've interacted with technology has been so passive for so many years that... um, you know, you had to be really creative to figure that out. And so I really tried when I got back into the classroom to make a conscious effort of how to like make an interactive classroom that was low stakes, that didn't cause or kind of, you know, elicit a lot of fear and anxiety from students because it was uh, a lot, I'd imagine, from their perspective as it was for me and as I saw for my own children. I bet during COVID, it was really hard to have a good teacher-student relationship. But has there ever been a student that has come to you and said that you really helped them in a good way? Yeah. Um, uh, the comment that has come to mind with your question is, um, I think one of the things that has become really uh, kind of sensitive and unfortunately controversial is the 
the way we talk about the world in the classroom. So this is more like on the end of like having discussions or making openness a priority in the classroom. Um, I did, I do have like a really fond memory of a student coming to me after class the day of the Parkland uh, school shooting and you know, they said, uh, I, I didn't really say much of anything in the class. I just had mentioned it and like made it clear that, you know, I was thinking about what it must feel like to be a high school student in this day and age where all this is happening. I kind of uh, have a, a connection to that because uh, the, the Columbine shooting um, happened while I was in high school. and. So I felt it necessary to just like name it and like put it out there. And he remarked to me after class that uh, I was the only teacher that had done that and that it's every only thing that was occupying his mind all day and that it really meant a lot to him that it felt like somebody was at least acknowledging and willing to talk about but not forcing students to talk about um, a really important issue. It's clear to me that you do a whole lot for your students and school. So do you think that you do get paid enough for what you do? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's, an, that's a stereotype that's unfortunately too often true. Um, you know, I, we're in the midst, once again, every two years, you know, the teachers union uh, of a given district, including the one I teach in, is constantly trying to like organize and work together to fight for you know a justifiable and deserved pay um, and that just that doesn't just include you know the, the paycheck but everything from you know health benefits to resources for like doing your job that's another unfortunately true stereotype that teachers spend a lot on their own you know, classroom and curricula, and I do. <laughs> I think um, perhaps even more than uh, um, the average teacher uh, because that physical space is so important to me and my teaching. But I think, like, there's unfortunately this constant, and I, this is not a revolutionary thought. I, I think a lot of teachers probably had this kind of epiphany early on in their career where you're like looking at the landscape of the world and for whatever reason, you know, healthcare professionals, at least on the higher end of like doctors and those with PhD and clinicians um, get play, paid reasonably well. Um, but there's also this huge like kind of underclass of uh, working America in the public sector um, from you know, nurses to teachers to manual laborers to service workers. And it's just, it, it sucks that the way that our economy is set up is not in a way that values, you know, the people that are taking care of other people. Now I'll be talking to a special education teacher. The special education department is one of the hardest departments to teach in, but I won't tell you. I'll leave it to the pro. Okay, so can you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is um, Chloe Bluth. I'm a special education teacher in the Twin Cities area. So what got you into teaching? I... Um, 
grew up the oldest of four, and so I think naturally um, working with kids just came easy to me. Um, I think um, it was something that I was always interested in, um, wanting to um, potentially help a group of students who also have a variety of different needs and challenges in school. So it's no doubt that special education is hard. How do you, how would you compare your first year to your like most recent year? Um, I, it's definitely been night and day, first year to now. Um, each school, each district is so unique that while you're in your teacher prep program, while I was getting my bachelor's degree, I had a lot of different field experiences at all the different levels. But once you um, are hired into, you know, your first job, um, it's really hard to manage all the duties, whether that's uh, managing lesson plans, emails, phone calls, um, the meetings, committees, grading, like f uh, especially for special education, all the paperwork and due process that's required. Um, you're kind of expected to be an expert day one, and so managing all of that um, really taught me the importance of developing classroom management systems and creating um, classroom routines as well, which has really been helpful. And um, mentoring newer teachers is really important too, having a robust teacher mentoring program. So I'm pretty sure you as a special education teacher really have to make your classroom comfortable for children. So how do you manage to do that? Um, I'm not going to lie, a lot of that come, the supplies comes out of my own money. Um, but I think looking at the unique needs of each student, so providing, um, reviewing their IEPs, um, looking at what works, what doesn't work, whether that's um, the lighting in the environment can make or break or have a big impact on student behavior. Having a calming environment is important to me. Having predictability and routines is really important um, to me to help with success and independence. But also, I think having, um, in my role, I work with a lot of adults, support staff, and just making sure we are on the same um, page. So having a lot of communication about expectations or about students or needs um, and just being in tune to each other if we need a break or, you know, if um, something isn't going right, just being able to jump in and change things as we need. So I think... Um, just being in tune to their students' needs, having flexibility, but also creating routines is important. So, you know, there's like a just common, like, I guess, joke in like the world now. It's like, oh, teachers are just like overworked or teachers do so much. Do you think that like you get paid enough for what you do? Um, I think there's such a vast range of teacher salaries, depending on experience and education, it depends on the state you work in. Um, I know Minnesota has one of the better teacher salary schedule, um, 
scales uh, compared to some other states, but my first years of teaching when I didn't have prior experience and I only had a bachelor's degree, um, it was hard to make ends meet. I always had a roommate or, you know, I had lived at home for a brief time and I always required a second income um, with a second job, whether that was after school or a summer job or um, doing summer school that um, it, it can be hard to make your ends meet as a teacher. Um, especially with student loans. Those student loans are no joke. And I think people like to come back and say, well, oh, well, you have your summers off. That must be so nice. But we aren't paid for the summers. We aren't paid for the time where we're not, you know, in the classroom. So just, you know, final, like, what are your thoughts on the current education system? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on the current education system. I think um, we need people more than ever. I think if you were to Google teachers, one of the first things that would pop up is the teacher shortage. Um, I know there's some websites that you can go on and search for you kind of like indeed but for teachers and there are thousands of openings right now in our state um and that shows a real problem and um we need to be very intentional about how we fix that problem um and i think there's a number of different solutions but i can't see myself doing anything else um and I think I'm excited for another school year. I think uh, the summer break helps, but um, yeah, we have a lot of issues that we need to fix in our current education system. As you heard, these teachers and many more do a whole lot in their departments. They go the extra mile for their students. They are hardworking teachers who are constantly trying to make their students happy while trying to manage a class. I hope after listening to this podcast, you appreciate your teachers just a little bit more. Teachers are expected to be extraordinary. Mm. And so any deviation from that receives harsh criticism and a very outsized sense of responsibility for, you know, the, the rise or ruin of young people. Hi, everybody. My name is Lana from Listen Up Youth Radio, and you're listening to Youth Soup. Teachers work very hard, and while they have a lot to do, there's always more to it. Today, we have Molly Keenan, a social studies teacher for the past 20 years, a working artist and parent. We'll be talking about the teacher experience, what she feels as a teacher, and her relationship with her students. Can I ask you, like, what got you into the teaching industry in the first place, and, like, what made you so interested in about it? I'm from a family of teachers, although I am the only one of all of my siblings and cousins who became a teacher. So make make of that whatever you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became a special education paraprofessional in a public school in East St. Paul, and that was it. And from that moment, I knew I knew from my first day in school that there was just a, a, a key and a lock. Wait. This is the last thing I want to say about that. Oh, yeah. I did not love high school. I wasn't enthusiastic academically. I wasn't doing well in most of my classes. Had a lot of stuff going on personally. Mm-hmm. I did not feel very connected to many teachers, but there mm-hmm. were a couple where I really felt what I feel now, which is I'm not into it if my students aren't into it. Mm-hmm. And if my students aren't into it, I'm not into it. 
Mm. And that's my golden rule. Relationships with your students is like most important. Do you believe that? I think it's the un- unquestionable top thing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it means the most to me. And it's the thing that I work the hardest at and the thing that's the most painful. I can't do it all. I can't be at all. I shouldn't. And and learning that has been vital for my life force to be healthy and strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's my jam. Right. But it's not an easy jam. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot that goes into teaching. You can't just give them a packet and say, just do this. They can't learn that way. But some teachers do. You can't teach students the details without the other... I'm going to put my fingers in the air and do a quotation sign yeah. right now. The more boring stuff. Yeah. Do you see yourself doing this job in like another 10 years? Yes. In some way or another. You know, teaching... Um, I, you know, I teach in the state's largest public high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... <laughs> You know, I'm not even fully extroverted. Like, I'm, I'm probably more introverted than extroverted, although I'm, you know, kind of in the middle. Um, and so teaching really, it, it's intense for me to process it over time, but it takes as much as it gives. Right. You know, like it really takes a lot and it really gives a lot. And I have to be careful about the balance. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not about whether or not I love the work. It's about if I were to hit a part of my life where there were demands on me that made it very difficult for me to keep that balance as a teacher, I may have to, you know, slide into some other dimension of my development. I don't know, Um, because it takes a lot. So if I weren't able to do that, that might cause the change, but it's not the work itself. Does that make sense? I feel for a very long time when I found out like, oh yeah, when I'm like talking to like my uh, more older friends who are like in college they're like oh yeah teachers get paid like nothing and they say that as like a joke but I think mm-hmm. being on the receiving end of that paycheck it isn't as much of a joke right no <laughs> no it's not yeah um so you know capitalism is weird and <laughs> <laughs> weird is not a, a good word I mean we're 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 in um we're in a pretty rough place with capitalism I think I think we have um, a very um, a very problematic hierarchy of um, values Mm -hmm. in our country and we have um, pay gaps that are astonishing to me and treatment of different workers you know it's like I just watch people you know get chewed out who work in service positions living having to work two jobs. I mean, you can't even just live paycheck to one paycheck. Yeah. Like as a young person, I had three jobs and I was in school and I had to continue working while I was in student teaching because you don't get paid. And it's, it's really bad. Um, and, and so do many teachers, you know, it takes a long time to make a great living as a teacher. You can get there, but it's not, it's not immediate. Mm -hmm. Um, I am making, you know, much less money than my friends that have chosen, you know, management positions in the world of business or city leadership, even though that's still public service. Um, Certainly my friends that are in technology and uh, science. Um, However, I, I feel grateful for the money that I make and anybody can pull up you know, any teacher's contract online because it's a collective contract and look at the pay for different years of service. Mm. Um, 
where you start as a teacher is painful. And if you don't keep going with it, um, you can't reach that point. Mm -hmm. But the benefits are that, you know, it, I really, it's really frustrating to me. I wish people understand the, the whole concept of, but you get the summers off. You know, um, I'm working the same amount of hours that anybody else works for an entire year. It's yeah. compensatory time. Mm -hmm. So we basically get eight weeks off in the yeah. summer. So we're there through, you know, like I was in school through June 16th and I'll be back at leadership team meetings in the third week of August, mm. right? It's not a whole summer. Yeah. Um, and additionally, I work way more than eight hours a day oh. during the school year. I mean, yeah. so I'm, I'm working, you know, a minimum of 10 and I'm also every weekend, like you can't, you can't be ready to start the next week unless you're doing something on the weekend. Mm -hmm. I can't. Then again, I'm a teacher who has high, high numbers of students where I'm teaching them writing and right. research skills. Mm -hmm. So I, I am in a very different position than perhaps a teacher who teaches a different content area, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. My content is hardcore homework. So I'm working a full year's hours, but I'm working those hours from mid-August to mid-June. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So a lot of teachers also do it like for the first 10 years. I don't know hardly any teachers that didn't work a second job for their first at least five years. Mm. Like my best teacher friends are also bartenders, are also whatever. And for me, I, I, I taught summer school. I was a barista. I did all kinds of other stuff yeah. um, to help supplement and then I started my little business, Retro Futures Designs, which is me as an artist. Mm. Um, and that's our supplementary income now, plus additional teaching work I can get. So Retro Futures Designs, no space, Retro Futures squashed together. Uh -huh. um, I'm, a, I'm a collage and mixed media artist and a jeweler. Yeah. Um, and so I make a lot of art and I sell art and mm. we kind of launched Retro Futures, my, my partner and I, um, Aaron, uh, my husband, my partner, in 20, I think it was 2011. Oh. Um, and it just is like a little extra support to our family and something that helps keep me creative. Mm. Yeah. And like also balancing that. I kind of wanted to like talk about like balance, work-life balance. Yeah, you also sure. mentioned this as well. Yeah. Like work-life balance and just personal balance because... Outside of school, you also need to help students off the clock. You need to answer emails from coworkers or even just students. Yes. And like grading stuff and assignments and tests, all that jazz, all that goes into teaching. Yes. And also, of course, you have your own family, your own husband, your kids. Yep. And then also your business as well. Like, yep. And my um, animals. I have three mm. dogs and two cats. It's hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that um, my partner and I love each other a lot. Yeah. Our, we are really, really close with our kid. Um we are really close with our animals and so we have a lot of mutual loving energetic support that helps um, but it's not easy and I am certainly the member of the family that makes it the hardest <laughs> because my job is the most demanding of energy and emotion and time yeah and so I I need their support and I need their patience with me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that can get out of balance for sure. Also my body, you know, I, I end up not taking good enough care of my body. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 
or not sleeping enough because I'm up too late grading or I get up really early to finish a lesson that isn't quite ready or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's not easy. Um, and uh, yeah, the work-life balance can really get hard. Yeah. I have to be careful about it. Mm-hmm. I really do have to be careful about yeah. it. And sometimes that's when my students see me just kind of, you know, not not particularly awesome one week yeah because I I recognize I have to pull back in one area so that I can give more in another what would make that better what would make like a school environment where it's healthy it's good it's safe all that jazz with for both teachers and students what do you think like makes that a good school so my advice to schooling Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to changing a lot about how we do school. I've got a lot of ideas. Yeah. Um, I wish, you know, I was asked in an interview that I had maybe six months ago or something, if you had a magic wand, Mm -hmm. what would you change about public school? And I said, make it, make everything much smaller. Mm. So I think because I believe that relationships are the core and because I believe that learning doesn't happen without vulnerability and vulnerability doesn't happen without relationships like you have to be able to have the relationships so if you expect teachers to and guys quite honestly here's what we are told you're going to have all these classes make sure Schoology is up to date Mm -hmm. minimum once a week make sure that your lesson plans have these structures within them Make sure that you're communicating with parents. Make sure that you're doing social-emotional learning with students. Make sure that you're in relationship with students. Make sure that you're following these standards over here. Make sure, like, I mean, they want it all. Mm -hmm. So it is, as you guys can imagine, kind of inhuman to Mm -hmm. expect single human beings to have that level of achievement if you give them 200 kids. Mm. right yeah so it's actually pretty abusive yeah it's bad Mm -hmm. and it's not good for kids Mm -hmm. because then you have teachers that are trying to survive the grind and find the joy right um and if you're trying to do that you're gonna have to set some stuff down yeah you're gonna have to be like i'm not doing this thing over here and and you'll hear some teachers talk you know with a little bit of sass Mm -hmm. about like i'm not gonna do this ridiculous thing that's going to take me two hours that is nothing but checking boxes for somebody at the district who's never going to meet me and doesn't care about me. Mm-hmm. You might hear that kind of thing. Yeah. It's because most teachers would rather just be at ground zero with their kids. Yeah. Like if you're going to prioritize something about this other thing mm-hmm. and it, it really does mess with teachers energy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's too much. So I would take, I would just small everything. I mean, can you imagine like there, there's a lot of scientific um, evidence that when a group gets larger than a hundred people, meaningful relationships become difficult, yeah. but are still possible if you keep it at that level or below. Mm-hmm. So, can you imagine if schools were broken into those kind of cohorts if they still had to be in huge buildings, mm-hmm. or if um, you know everything just got more micro? which then creates space. How can I help? I I can help students so much better. Time becomes so much more expansive. Mm -hmm. We get to adventure together. Any final thoughts on education? Anything that I haven't mentioned? 
I mean, I, I really think that we need um, a, a cultural shift in how we think about and value education for for this particular country with its particular characteristics to move forward. Um, yeah. If more of that were available, then education would be this deeper, richer, more healing, more whole experience for more kids, which would then lessen trauma. And I think the most important things about education are the relational part. And when you drop that, there's a lot of other losses that are connected to that that I don't think people are paying attention to. And if we don't pay attention to that, I think it's going to hurt a lot. So teachers need to be trained better and then supported better and paid better. And then students will be better cared for. That's, it's automatic. If we don't do that, we're risking a lot. Learn more about Listen Up Youth Radio, including our peer-to-peer educational workshops in media production and social media marketing services at www.listenupyouth.org. Check out past broadcasts of YouthSoup on a live podcast app now available on iOS and coming soon to Android. This activity was made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.